Greetings again, and welcome to part four in our Last Day Events Explained series here on Audioverse. I'm so glad that you have joined us again this week. My name is Norman McNulty, and I have very much enjoyed going through these presentations so far. And today is going to be another fascinating look at end-time events. The title of our presentation today is the New World Order, and so I'm looking forward to going through that with you. And before we get into the presentation, we are going to look at a, at a few questions. And, you know, a lot of questions have actually come in. And so, based on the volume of questions that we're getting now, we may have to have a question and answer podcast-style presentation at the end of the series just to get through some of the really good questions that are coming in. Um, I've gotten a number of really good questions. There's a couple of points of clarification that I wanted to bring up. There were some questions about the four stages of the Sunday Law and also specifically when the Mark of the Beast is received. And I know that I mentioned that the Mark of the Beast is received in stage two when Sunday worship is enforced. And by the time we get to stage three, that's when you can't buy and sell. And then finally there's, uh, and then there's fines and imprisonment. And then finally there's the death decree. So as you recall, in stage one, you can um, still worship on Sabbath. And basically you are told to refrain from working. And one, and I'll put two or three questions into this one answer. Another person said, you know, you said that we shouldn't raise quote a stink and I you know was probably talking off the cuff a little bit there. Ellen White specifically uses the term in Testimonies Volume 9, page 232, that we should not defy laws with respect to not working. So not working on Sunday does not constitute receiving the mark of the beast. What constitutes receiving the mark of the beast is when Sunday worship becomes compulsory. And that's in stage two. Yeah, you can still worship on Sabbath, but you also have to worship on Sunday. That's compulsory worship. And when you go along with compulsory worship, that's the mark of the beast. Now, it is true that Ellen White says that we can hold religious services on Sunday, but that's voluntary. And that's what I would consider to be during times that wouldn't be considered regular worship hours. Um, maybe she would also consider that to be okay in in normal circumstances but when when we reach a point when sunday worship is compulsory when it's enforced before you even get to the point where you can't buy or sell or you'll be fined or imprisoned but when it's required by law that's the mark of the beast and remember some will receive the mark of the beast in their forehead or in their hand and so that was definitely you know some of the questions that came in were pertaining to the stages and when the mark comes. There were some, another good question that came in was, yes, we leave the, the cities for sure. That's the final point of leaving the city, moving out of the city during the Sunday law. Um, it's better to leave even before then. Um, but during the loud cry message, yes, the loud cry message will go to the cities as well. And so we'll continue to work the cities as best we can as long as it's safe to do so. 
but we shouldn't be living in the cities by the time the Sunday law comes. And of course, things will escalate into the cities to the point where I'm sure there will be a point where it's no longer safe to work the cities. But as long as it's safe to work the cities, we should work the cities from outpost centers. So those are some good questions. There were a number of other questions that came in. I'm fully aware of that. And so we will get to as many as we can, probably at the end with a whole session dedicated to just the questions that have come in. So thank you for your questions. And again, as you can see here on the screen, um, if you have a question, send it to contact at audioverse.org. And I encourage you to do that. Also, just a reminder, if you want a book that deals with practicality as well as prophecy, it covers both angles. Um, now's a great time to be studying end time prophecy. So this book that I've written on Daniel, you can get from Remnant Publications. If you haven't had a chance to get a copy yet, I encourage you to do so. And also, if you have friends who you think would benefit from studying, get copies for them or let them know about it. So at this point, we are going to have a word of prayer as we enter into the presentation and we're going to ask the Lord to guide us through this presentation so bow your heads with me as we begin this presentation Father in heaven we thank you for this opportunity to study and Lord I pray that as I share on this topic that it would be clear and that we would see the straightforward manner of how things are going to change in this world and how things are changing and what the end result of this will be and so guide me as I speak may my, may my thoughts be clear and may understanding of those who are listening be given as well so I pray this in Jesus name amen all right so the title for this week's presentation is the new world order now I'm sure this is going to generate a lot of interest especially based on the title and as you can see from this picture in the title we have president george hw bush who was president of the united states from 1989 to 1993 and here you have pope john paul ii and they were key players in the development of this new world order that we're going to discuss and i'm going to say this at the very outset just so that I make this clear, this is not going to be a presentation that is laced with conspiracy theories. What I'm going to share is basically on the record, well documented, it's, it's been discussed in mainstream news media organizations on down. This isn't something that you can only get from secret files from someone's back library that they stole from some secret library somewhere overseas. This is straightforward information and you're going to see very clearly as we go through this presentation that the New World Order is something that the Bible clearly talks about. It's not described necessarily with that term. Well, it isn't. The Bible doesn't use the term New World Order. But this is language that is being used in the era that we live in that we can see how it fits with what the Bible says. And so that's what we're going to look at. And again, we're going to look a little bit at history, recent history, along with what the Bible says. And as Seventh-day Adventists, we are historicists. So we use Bible prophecy and we fit it with clear, major, significant historical events 
And that's what historicism looks like. Prophecy with clear historical events put together. And that's how God speaks to us through his word. Prophecy, history, that together we can see the the hand of God as he moves. And so we're going to look at the New World Order this week. And so let's look at this. Now, the first thing I'm going to mention is this article from Time Magazine, February 24, 1992, entitled Holy Alliance. It's a front page title for Time Magazine, which especially when I was growing up in the 1980s and into the 1990s, Time Magazine and, and Newsweek, those were the two major news magazines. And then U.S. News and World Report was also um, a very significant news magazine. But Time Magazine was probably at the lead. Those of you who like Newsweek may see otherwise. But the point is this. Time Magazine is a major news magazine. This was not some backwoods newspaper article. This was a major article in a major news magazine written February 24, 1992 by Carl Bernstein, a famous reporter who, along with Bob Woodward, broke the Watergate story in the 1970s. And so this article entitled Holy Alliance describes the alliance that developed between President Ronald Reagan and Pope John Paul II. And the article describes the first meeting that took place at the Vatican on June 7, 1982, which lasted for nearly an hour. Bernstein describes this as one of the great secret alliances of all time. And in this meeting, Reagan pledged the economic and military power of the United States to support the Solidarity Movement in Poland. And the Pope pledged his political assistance from the Vatican. And through that alliance, in supporting the Solidarity Movement, which some of you may remember was led by Lech Walesa, this helped to put significant political and economic and even military pressure on the Soviet Union, which eventually led to its collapse. And those of you who lived during that era, and I was a kid during this era, but it was big enough that even I knew what was going on. This wasn't just minor stuff. This was major world um, geopolitical issues that came to a climax during this time. And so um, just five years after that meeting in um, President Reagan's second term, on June 12, 1987, in one of the most iconic moments of his presidency, standing at the Brandenburg Gate of the Berlin Wall, President Reagan famously says, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. He had been told by his advisors to leave that line out of his speech, and he said, I'm the president, the line stays in the speech. And sure enough, two years later, the Berlin Wall came crashing down, and I still remember the the significance of that moment. And um, I remember we didn't have a television in our house, and we went over to my grandparents' house to watch the news because this was such a major thing. And I was only 12 years old when when that happened, and I'll never forget the the feelings that 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 moment created. That the East and the West in Germany had been divided, and the wall came crashing down as a symbol of the collapse of, of communism in the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe. Now, the Soviet Union 
came to its final collapse um, in 1991, but by 1989 this was a significant development. And so this leads to the next point of, of, of what I'm going to say here about the New World Order. So, you know, I remember going to camp meetings again as a, as a child and I guess I was a little bit different in the sense that I enjoyed going to the adult meetings. I wanted to hear Mark Finley and Kenneth Cox and Doug Batchelor and Joe Cruz and, and speakers like that rather than just singing songs for two hours or whatever it was. And mind you, they did good programs at Cami, don't get me wrong. They were good children's programs, but I wanted to hear the adult meetings. And so I, I remember when the Iron Curtain was up and we understand from Bible prophecy that the United States is going to unite with the papacy to form a Sunday law. And, you know, the speakers had to admit, look, we have this Iron Curtain and the Soviet Union doesn't allow God into its country. And so, you know, it's atheistic and Eastern Europe is like this. And so there had to be some significant events that would take place for the stage to be set on the world stage for the United States to be the superpower to work in cahoots or in harmony with the papacy so that there could be a Sunday law. And, and as long as the Iron Curtain was up in Eastern Europe and the Soviet Union, that made it very difficult. So 1989, the Berlin Wall comes crashing down. By 1991, the Soviet Union has collapsed. And this leads the way for what I'm going to discuss next. Now, this term, the New World Order, was actually initially used by President Woodrow Wilson shortly after World War I came to its conclusion when the League of Nations, which predates the United Nations, was developed. So, those of you who, um, again, remember fairly recent American history. Again, I remember where I was the evening that the Gulf War started on August 2, 1990. We were living at Yuchi Pines Institute. We had just moved there a month earlier, actually, and we were in prayer meeting at the church, and I still remember Dr. Calvin Thrash came into the church, and his wife, Dr. Agatha Thrash, was leading out in, in the prayer meeting session, and he interrupted her presentation to say, we need to have prayer because this, the war has started, the bombs have started in Baghdad, and all, you, know, you never forget those things. I was 13 when that happened. And so that's August 2, 1990. Uh, just a little over a month later, the President of the United States, President George H.W. Bush, gives a speech on broadcast television, and he talks about a big idea. That's the term that he uses. He says it's a big idea. It's a new world order. And ironically enough, it was given on September 11, 1990, just 11 years before the, the famous September 11. But this was September 11 of 1990. He gives this speech about a new world order. Now, what was this new world order about? Um, this, And again, we're just to keep our foundation and framework connected here. We're going to get to what the Bible says about prophecy in the end of the world, but we're looking at key prophetic events 
that have happened in the United States of America, which we see in Revelation 13 as a significant end-time player, to understand how the United States can be that end-time player. So when the Soviet Union collapses by 1991, the Berlin Walls come crashing down, that opens up the door for the United States to really um, become a major the, the major superpower. So what President George H.W. Bush was looking for in this new world order, and look, this isn't all bad by any means, nuclear disarmament of the Soviet Union. Hey, I'm glad that it's not like it was during the Bay of Pigs when Americans weren't sure if the Soviets were going to shoot nuclear missiles from Cuba into the United States. I'm glad that we don't have that fear today. So nuclear disarmament, that was not a bad thing. And then German reunification, that was not a bad thing either. Families were reunited. And so it's not as if this whole thing is, is terrible, but there were things that are taking place from this new world order that George H.W. Bush was advocating for that clearly created a new dynamic compared to those who grew up during the Cold War and the Iron Curtain. And from this new world order, the United States took the lead as the leading global superpower. Now, yes, Russia is still a player in, in world geopolitical events, no question, and China is too. But as Seventh-day Adventists, we understand that if you can find China or Russia in end-time prophecy, they are fairly minor players. I have my thoughts on where China and Russia may be represented in Daniel 11, for example. Uh, but China and Russia are not the second beast of Revelation 13. So that places the United States in a very special place. That's why we do pay attention to what the President of the United States is saying and what laws Congress is passing. Those are significant because the way the United States operates fits into our understanding of end-time events, so we do want to be paying attention to these scenarios. So, obviously, as Seventh-day Adventist, when President George H.W. Bush talked about this new world order, um, our antennas went up. And, of course, that was a speech given way back in 1990. That's 30 years ago now, so it, it's not as if... President George H.W. Bush says New World Order, and then six months later there's a Sunday law. But this is just, again, showing you the flow of history from the 1980s to where we are now, and of some of the significant changes that took place so that the United States is in a position to do some things that it wasn't able to do 30 years ago, or prior to 30 years ago, during the Cold War. So, obviously, most of us who are following along with this presentation, we're alive on 9-11, September 11, 2001, 11 years to the day after President George H.W. Bush gives his speech about the New World Order. And this terrorist attack that takes place, and again, I'm not saying that this is some sinister plot that was part of a New World Order. I'm just saying that this attack that happened led to what we call the global war on terror. And by this time, President George H.W. Bush's son, President George W. Bush is the president on 9-11 on of 2001, and there's been the Clinton presidency between. And so now we see that the United States takes further, the further lead as the global power in this war. And so this, you know, 
it was a tragic event coming out of nowhere suddenly and this did strengthen the United States however though to take the lead as the global power in the war on terror they we as Americans can say that as, as, as the United States of America our country took the lead in this war on terror and I'm not going to go through every last thing that's happened since 9-11 but obviously the world changed and you know here's the thing it's been 19 years since 9-11 and I still remember where I was the moment I found out about 9-11 I, I was a second year medical school, school student I wasn't sure that I would finish medical school before the end of the world came when that happened because it was such a significant thing um, but here we are in the year 2020 um, but again it's a development of signposts that show that Jesus is coming again. So here's what we can say in the year 2020. The United States of America is the global superpower. Now, we're not going to get into the necessarily into the current political scene with, you know, President Trump and the Democrats and the Republicans, conservatives and liberals and all of that kind of thing. Because the Seventh-day Adventists really, we have a a bigger picture view of what's happening in the world around us. Now, you know, we may talk a little bit more about some of the dynamics that are happening um, in the United States of America that are significant. I do have some concerns about some of the things that are happening and how it fits into Bible prophecy, not how it fits into any personal political preferential views, but how it fits into where we are um, in the world seen on the prophetic timeline and you know between 1844 and the second coming we're looking for events not time prophecies to be fulfilled so the basic point of what I've shown you so far is that President Reagan helped to initiate a cascade of events where the United States and the papacy started working much more closely together um, an alliance was formed that more or less has been maintained between the United States and the papacy ever since then and that alliance helped to lead to the downfall of the Soviet Union and communist Eastern Europe which then allowed President George H.W. Bush after the Reagan presidency to come along and advocate for what's called the New World Order and in this New World Order um, the Soviet Union was disarmed from its nuclear power which is significant because that establishes the United States as, a, as a, the leading nuclear superpower and economic and military superpower in the world. And uh, there were, you know, as Eastern Europe becomes um, removed from the, the, the communist scene, so to speak, as symbolized by the reunification of Germany. And, and then we have this major event in 9-11 that really changes the the framework of how the world operates and this war on terror begins and now here we are in 2020 undergoing this pandemic and civil unrest and so we want to look now at um, what the Bible says about this new world order and the United States being a global superpower because you'll have to admit whatever you think of the term new world order it's a different world order than it was when the Soviet Union had its role as a superpower in the backyard of the papacy. This is a different world order, but the Bible talks about the changing of a world order as well. And 
The first change with respect to recent history as it relates to the United States of America is actually seen in Revelation chapter 13, verse 3. And so if you have your Bible, I'm going to read along, or I'm going to read um, actually verses 1 through 3 of Revelation 13. Revelation 13, 1 through 3 says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Now we know that this beast is the Roman Catholic Church state power. Um, and we'll talk about this a little more in verse 2. says, And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. Now this is the composite of the beast from Daniel 7. And the dragon, that Satan, gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And notice verse 3. And I saw one of his wounds as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Now, we understand from verse 5, and if we go back to Daniel 7, when we look at this power, it ruled for 1,260 years. So when, it, when one of its heads was wounded to death, we call that the deadly wound, and that happens in 1798. That was a change of the world order in 1798. Because from 538 to 1798, you have a union of church and state through the Roman Catholic Church state power, the papacy. And so that's the world order for 1,260 years. You know, we've been from 1798 till the year 2020, that's a mere 222 years compared to 1,260 years. And so you have this world order for 1,260 years where the church controls the state power. That's the world order. But that world order changed in 1798. In 1798, the Roman Catholic Church state power lost control over the state when the Pope was taken captive. That's a change of world order. And so, right at that time, <clears throat> the United States is coming up out of the earth as a new power on the earth. It's a lamb-like beast, and we're going to talk about that. But being lamb-like means that it has Christian features. And some people bristle at the idea of calling the United States a Christian nation. Well, the Bible actually says it had two horns like a lamb. So it was based on Christian principles. That's what the Bible says. And so this is significant that at the time that the, the papacy receives a deadly wound in 1798, the United States of America comes onto the scene of Earth's history prophetically, and this is a new world order, in 1798. You have to admit that. This is terminology that is modern, but if you look at that, that's a change in the world order where now you have a second beast coming onto the scene that's based on the principles of civil and religious liberty when for 1,260 years you had had um, tyranny. And so that's significant. So now let's look at this a little bit further. We just read the verses about the first beast of Revelation 13 where it had um, the body of a leopard, the feet of a bear, and the mouth of a lion. So that's the composite of, of Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. And the mouth of the lion, um, and or excuse me, in Babylon as well, the lion represents Babylon. So it's the composite of Medo-Persia, Greece, and Babylon. And then, of course, it has the features of Rome also. 
But the mouth of the lion means that the beast of Revelation 13 speaks like Babylon, and your speech comes from your mind. Um, the frontal lobe is where your speech center is located, so your speech comes from the mind. And so he's speaking like Babylon, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And Revelation 13.5 says that this lion, or this beast, had a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies for 42 months. That's during the 1260 years. And we see in Daniel chapter 7, and I go through this in much greater detail on a study on Audiverse that was recently put up called the, the Sunday Law. Um, but Daniel chapter 7, you have this little horn power that comes up after you have the lion, the bear, the leopard, and the dreadful beast with teeth of iron. And this little horn has a mouth speaking great things. And it's mentioned four times that it had a mouth speaking great things. And specifically in Daniel chapter 7 verse 25, it says that he will have a mouth speaking great things and he shall think to change times and laws. And he will wear out the saints of the Most High for the time, time, and the dividing of times, which is 1260 years. So, Revelation 13.5, you have the composite beast that has the mouth of a lion, which is spiritual Babylon, and he has a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies for 42 months, which is the 1260 years. Daniel 7.25 says that the little horn has a mouth speaking great things, and he shall think to change times and laws. So what's the blasphemy that is spoken that is that is speaking such great things it's speaking in a way that you think you can change the law of god and nations speak through laws and the papacy spoke great things by thinking it could change sabbath to sunday so you can see the change from Sabbath to Sunday by attempting to change the law of God through the little horn power, mentioned four times in Daniel 7, and then here in Revelation 13, with the, the papal power who receives his power, seat, and authority from the dragon, who is Satan, you see in Revelation 13, 5, that he has a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, which is again changing Sabbath to Sunday. So this is interesting. Second beast of Revelation 13, it comes up out of the earth, it has two horns like a lamb, so we understand that these horns, now horns for a kingdom, represent the power that drives that nation or that kingdom. And the two horns that drive this beast that comes up out of the earth, this is the United States of America, there's no other nation on earth that came up out of the earth, out of an unpopulated area, at the same time that the papacy's receiving a deadly wound in 1798, other than the United States of America. The United States is the greatest nation on earth. It has the greatest geopolitical power on earth. There's no question about that. And the thing that drove its power when it came up on the earth, when you look at the Constitution, when you look at the Declaration of Independence, is the separation of church and state, civil and religious liberty. And the other way of describing this is republicanism and Protestantism. Now, if you've heard me speak before, you've heard me say this. This does not mean the Republican Party. Republicanism means that a 1% minority are protected by the Constitution from a 99% majority from voting away their civil and religious liberty. Republicanism means that a, a group of law-abiding citizens 
cannot have their constitutional rights violated by the majority. So the majority cannot vote into a law, for example, saying that everyone has to worship on Sunday if a minority such as Seventh-day Adventists say that violates our religious liberty. We're law-abiding citizens. And so the Supreme Court, according to the Constitution, should then rule against such a law to say you're violating the religious liberty of um, this group of law-abiding citizens who worship on Saturday instead of Sunday. That's how republicanism works, and of course Protestantism is religious liberty. So that's what has made America what it is. As a lamb-like nation, those are the Christian principles that drive America, and those Christian principles then mean that atheists have civil liberties, any other religious beliefs have civil and religious liberties. You can worship according to the dictates of your conscience or not worship as long as you're a law-abiding citizen. You're not going around and shooting people or holding them hostage or stealing or robbing or, or burning down buildings. You have a right to free speech and to express your views um, as long as you aren't breaking the law of the land. That's America. That's what the United States of America is about. However, Revelation 13 says that this lamb, or this beast, which is lamb-like, will speak as a dragon. Now remember, the dragon gave his power, seat, and authority to the first beast, meaning when the first beast speaks, and he has a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, he's speaking based on the authority of the dragon. And the first beast, which is the Roman Catholic Church state power, which spoke great things and blasphemies by trying to change God's law, when the second beast speaks like a dragon, that means the second beast speaks like the first beast. And again, a beast which represents a kingdom, when it speaks, it speaks through its law. So when the second beast, which is the United States of America, speaks like a dragon, it's going to speak the same way the first beast spoke, and that is through the National Sunday Law. Because the first beast had a mouth speaking great things, and he tried to change God's law during the 1260 years. Then the world order changed in 1798, where you have a new nation that advocates for civil and religious liberty, but eventually... The world order will change back to the way it was before 1798. And this is the National Sunday Law. So get this. Revelation 13.3. We already saw that one of its heads was wounded to death. That was a change in the world order in 1798. But then it says, and his deadly wound was healed. The deadly wound will be fully healed when the papacy has power over the state. Again, that's the Sunday law. That's when all the world wonders after the beast. And verse 4 says, they worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast. So when worship is involved, and when the deadly wound is healed, meaning there is a law in place that allows the dragon to be worshipped through the beast power, that's the National Sunday Law, and that is a change in the world order. And so if you want to talk about the new world order, what is the true new world order according to Bible prophecy? The true new world order is the National Sunday Law. We keep coming back to that. Again, you're seeing how crucial this National Sunday Law is. Because the National Sunday Law 
is going to violate the religious and civil liberties of law-abiding citizens in America and eventually to the whole world, which we're going to see, it goes to the whole world, who say, I cannot, according to my conscience, worship on the first day of the week. The seventh day of the week is my day of worship, according to what the Bible says. And so when the deadly wound is healed, based on what the United States of America does, then we will have the new world order. Now, interestingly, it's not just Revelation 13 that talks about the world wandering after the beast. In Revelation chapter 17, and we're not going to go through the whole chapter, that's quite the study, but I do have some studies on audio verse on Revelation 17 if you're interested. What I say then is what I believe now goes through the whole chapter. And by the way, the seven heads are not seven popes, in case you're wondering. It's, but it's important to understand what all of that means. But in Revelation chapter 17, verse 8, it says, The beast that thou sawest was, and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was, and is not, and yet is. So get this. There's this beast that was, is not, and shall ascend. So there's past, present, and future. You clearly see here that when it comes out of the bottomless pit, that's in the future, that the world shall wonder. They who dwell on the earth shall wonder. That's synonymous with Revelation 13, 3. All the world shall wonder after the beast. And so if you want to understand Revelation chapter 17, you understand that 1798 is the dividing line between the past, the present, and the future because the beast that was is the papacy, but in 1798 it receives a deadly wound, so now it is not. But in the future, when there's a Sunday law and all the world wanders after the beast, that means it shall ascend. And so there's the sixth head, which currently is, it can't be the papacy. That's actually the United States of America, which gives religious liberty. But then out of the United States of America, you have the fallen Protestant churches of Babylon that still support the papacy prior to the deadly wound being healed. So, the, so there's a lot going on there. But the United States is the sixth head, the papacy was the fifth head, and then the seventh head are the ten kings of the earth who will reign one hour with the beast. Study that if you haven't looked at that before. So, they who dwell on the earth shall wonder. That's the Sunday law. And the beast will ascend. Now notice this, Revelation 17, 12 says, And the ten horns which you saw are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet. That's the seventh head. The seventh head is the seventh kingdom. And the ten horns are the ten kings. Ten represents universal meaning, meaning all the kings of the earth commit fornication. When the United States, which is the sixth head, it's the, it's the sixth kingdom of Bible prophecy. It's the beast in Revelation 13, or the kingdom that succeeds the papacy. And so in Revelation 17, when the United States of America forms an image to the first beast, that means that then the kings of the earth will unite with the United States of America to come together with the papacy to reign one hour with the beast. Now that one hour is not prophetic time, it's a short period of time. And then they will make war with the Lamb. And so Revelation 17 is actually showing that there's going to be a one world government where the kings of the earth, including the United States of America, unite with the papacy. And this is the new world order. It's going to be a one world government with all the kings of the earth 
uniting to form one kingdom for one hour with the beast who was prior to 1798 is not after 1798 but it shall ascend when the deadly wound is healed and all the world wonders after the beast so that's when the sunday law goes universal the sunday law is not just going to be in the united states it's going to go universal i'm going to read a couple of statements this is great controversy 588 through the two great errors the immortality of the soul on sunday sacredness satan will bring the people under his deceptions while the former lays the foundation of spiritualism the latter creates a bond of sympathy with rome the protestants of the united states will be foremost in stretching their hands across the gulf to grasp the hand of spiritualism they will reach over the abyss to clasp hands with the Roman power, and under the influence of this threefold union, this country will follow in the steps of Rome and trampling on the rights of conscience. And so the rights of conscience here in America will be trampled upon. And then Testimonies, Volume 5, page 451. When Protestantism shall stretch her hand across the gulf to grasp the hand of the Roman power, when she shall reach over the abyss to clasp hands with spiritualism, when under the influence of this threefold union our country shall repudiate every principle of its constitution as a Protestant and Republican government, and shall make provision for the propagation of papal falsehoods and delusions, then we may know that the time has come for the marvelous working of Satan, and that the end is near. So... That time's coming. And then notice this. This is showing that there's going to be international Sunday laws. But notice this 7 BC 977. That's Bible Commentary, Volume 7. When our nation and its legislative councils shall enact, enact laws to bind the consciences of men in regard to their religious privileges, enforcing Sunday observance and bringing oppressive power to bear against those who keep the Seventh-day Sabbath, the law of God will to all intents and purposes be made void in our land and national apostasy will be followed by national ruin and so we're going to see the judgments of god being poured out um, on on this nation national apostasy will be followed by national ruin now here is the international sunday law because some have said oh it's only going to be in the united states this is clear evidence that the sunday law becomes um, international, universal in the sense of around the world. Testimonies, Volume 6, page 18. As America, the land of religious liberty, sh shall unite with the papacy, enforcing the conscience and compelling men to honor the false Sabbath, the people of every country on the globe will be led to follow her example. And so all the countries of the globe will compel men to honor the false Sabbath. And then seven, or volume 7 of the Testimonies, page 141, the substitution of the laws of men for the law of God, the exaltation by merely human authority of Sunday in place of the Bible Sabbath is the last act in the drama. When this substitution becomes universal, God will reveal himself. He will arise in his majesty to shake terribly the earth. And by the way, if you want to study that phrase where he arises to shake terribly the earth, study Isaiah chapters 2, 3, and 4 where that phrase is found and you'll see some very interesting connections to what happens at the end before Jesus comes back. So we see that the New World Order is the United States becoming the leading global superpower 
And as the United States has become the leading global superpower, yeah, you have China, yeah, you have Russia, you have some economic power in these other countries, but the United States is clearly the leading global superpower, and they will unite with the papacy to bring about a Sunday law, and they will also unite with spiritualism so that supernatural manifestations will be brought forth to make it appear as if God is on the side of this false religious movement. The United States takes the lead. It will be foremost in reaching out to clasp the hands of spiritualism and the papacy. But then it will go universal. It will go throughout the entire world. That's the new world order. That's the one world government where the kings of the earth will unite one hour with the beast. And then they will make war with the lamb and the lamb will overcome them. And they will make war with the lamb specifically through the persecution of the saints and through the death decree. So there's a lot that we've looked at. But what I want you to get from the presentation today is this. Yes, there is a new world order that is coming. And yes, it is in development right now. We would be blind if we didn't see that. But rather than looking for obscure things in, in obscure places where there's a Jesuit at every corner or whatever it may be, look at the big picture. See what President Reagan did. See what President George H.W. Bush did. They were the presidents of the United States. What they did we see very clearly from history. There's no doubts about it. And it's paved the way through annihilating atheistic Soviet Union, bringing the Iron Curtain down. It's paved the way for the United States to be in perfect position now as the world is becoming more and more fragile. The United States is in the perfect position to unite with the papacy and spiritualism to enforce a Sunday law. Compared to 30 years ago, we are in a much stronger, clearer place for the United States to fulfill Bible prophecy based on what Revelation 13 and what Revelation 17 teach. And so, you know, don't go chasing every rabbit trail about conspiracy theories. Just realize that, yes, there is a new world order that's coming. And that new world order is a national Sunday law that then becomes universal, that turns into a one world government. And that leads to a death decree, and then Jesus will be coming. And so that's, that's our message for today. So, yes, the new world order is, is close and I'm not saying that it's going to be President Trump that's the president that will pass the Sunday law, but you get the point. Realistically, any president for the last many number of years could have been that president if God's people were ready. And the bottom line is Jesus is coming and soon. Jesus is coming soon, and we want to be ready to meet him. And so I want to invite you to come back next week where we are going to study the concept of the little time of trouble. It's not a phrase that Ellen White specifically uses, but you see the concept in her writings and in scripture, and we're going to unpack that further next week, so I encourage you to come back. Before we end this meeting, though, why don't we have a word of prayer and ask the Lord to bless us. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for being with us in our presentation this evening. There's a lot to consider. We see the new world order developing. We see the crisis of the ages on the horizon. Lord, I pray that as we see these signs, that again, we would lift up our heads and remember that our redemption draws near. Help us to be ready for that day, and may it come soon. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, 
or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.